Welcome to Lent. Lent is this gift from the ancient church, six and a half weeks season of um, beginning today and ending on Good Friday. It's a time to be encouraged and challenged in our discipleship. If you're new to Lent, think spring training. (laughs) This week, Major League Baseball players flock to baseball camps in Florida and Arizona. And during spring training, players will be working to get into shape for the new season. They'll be getting to know new teammates that came to the club over the winter. Uh, They will be working to improve their skills so that they can make a greater contribution to their teams. And then later this summer, in the midst of the season, we'll hear comments like this. You know, he's having a much better season because he worked on a sinker pitch in spring training. Uh, Or he's hitting with more power because he changed his stance in spring training. Imagine that later this year, we started hearing some similar stories about some of us. During Lent, she tried out a new spiritual practice, and it's really making a difference in her life. Or ever since my husband uh, started attending a Bible study during Lent, he's been a different man. Lent is an opportunity for us to get into shape spiritually to try out some new spiritual practices, to repent of a pattern of sin, and to get to know one another better. The goal is that we would be spiritually healthier, that we would experience more of God's power, and that we would better know our teammates in the church so that we can make a bigger contribution to the mission of the Highland Park Presbyterian Church. We would be frustrated by a ball player who went into spring training without a plan for improving. Likewise, we should be frustrated with ourselves if we don't go into Lent with a plan. Now, one of the workouts that we'll be doing during Lent this year is a study of the seven deadly sins. If you were here on Sunday, you heard the launch of that series. The seven deadly sins is a concept that goes all the way back to the fourth century. I need to tell you that for most of my life, even my life as a pastor, I was not familiar with the seven deadly sins until several years ago, the book club that I'm a part of read a book called Glittering Vices, a new look at the seven deadly sins and their remedies by Rebecca DeYoung. Now, let me just share with you a couple of things that I learned from that experience that may help you as we go through this study during Lent. The first thing I discovered in reading glistening, uh, Glittering Vices, is that I really didn't understand the seven deadly sins. I thought I knew what envy was, and vainglory, and sloth, and lust, and gluttony, and greed, and anger. But what I discovered was I didn't really understand them. And so I would encourage you to approach this series with an open mind and a teachable spirit. And then the second thing that I learned is that I had temptations in almost all of these areas. At the beginning of the study, I was pretty sure I knew which one of these seven I needed to work on. In fact, I kind of put a little check mark in the table of contents next to it. And then I read the first chapter on envy, and I thought, huh, 
maybe envy is my problem. And then I read the second chapter on vainglory, and I thought, wait a minute. This is definitely my struggle. And this happened every chapter. It's a little bit like medical students' disease, where you start thinking you've got all the diseases you're studying. And I discovered everybody in my book club was having the same experience. Because it turns out that most of us are tempted in some measure by all of these sins. So again, please be open-minded and have a teachable spirit for what the Holy Spirit wants to reveal to you during this Lent. Some of you are probably thinking, seven deadly sins, that sounds like a depressing sermon series. Uh, And it certainly could be if we approach it the wrong way. Lent is actually a good time to do this study because Lent keeps pushing us and pointing us towards Good Friday and Easter, reminding us of Jesus' victory over sin. And then over and over again during Lent, we will be reminded that through faith in Jesus Christ, we are forgiven for all of our sins, Uh, that we have been set free from slavery to sin, that we've been reconciled to God the Father, We've been adopted into God's family. We've been indwelled by the Holy Spirit, and we have been seated in the heavenly realms. That context allows us to approach this study confidently to see what light it will shed into our hearts. The point is not to just identify our sins, but to appropriate God's forgiveness to our lives, and to experience his power in overcoming them. In other words, we'll be studying the seven deadly sins in light of God's mercy and grace towards us. And one way to think of this study is as a spiritual x-ray. And some of you have broken a bone, and you know how helpful it is to have an x-ray showing where the broken is, where the bone is broken, so that you can get the right treatment. Well, this study of our seven deadly sins, or the seven deadly sins, will be like a spiritual x-ray, shedding light on what's going on inside our hearts so we can have an accurate diagnosis of our spiritual condition and know what remedies to apply to our spiritual brokenness. So today we're going to look briefly at gluttony. I think probably because yesterday was Fat Tuesday, they put this one up first. Uh, And the scripture passage we're going to look at is Philippians 3, uh, verses 17 through 21. You can find it on page 1249 in your pew Bibles, and it'll be projected on the screens. Philippians 3, 17 through 21. Listen carefully to God's word. Brothers and sisters, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame, with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, And from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body 
by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. This is the word of the Lord. Now, when they gave us our preaching assignments, they told us, don't take too seriously the topic that we give you. Uh, but I have to admit that when I saw that I was preaching on gluttony, I thought, that's an interesting coincidence. And then when I picked up vainglory, I thought, uh, somebody is reading my journal. You know, when we think of gluttony, we think of a guy like me going through the all-you-can-eat buffet line three or four times. And that certainly could be gluttony. Interestingly, however, the church has had a much broader understanding of what gluttony is. In Glittering Vices, Rebecca DeYoung uses an acronym, FRESH, F-R-E-S-H, uh, to summarize the various aspects that gluttony manifests itself. The F stands for eating deciduously. You know, when I worked at Howard Johnson's restaurant, we had a, a woman who would come in every night. She'd always order the same thing. And when the waitress would take it to her, she'd always look at it and say, this isn't right, send it back and tell the cook to fix it. It would come back every night. It would come back. And after a while, we learned there was nothing wrong with the food. So we would simply put it under the warming light for three minutes, send it back out. And she would say, this is better. Uh, or this is the way that I like it. And we learned that she was just picky. Uh, if you've read C.S. Lewis's book, The Screwtape Letters, he talks about a woman like that in there. He talks about what a nightmare that kind of person is for a host or a waitress. The R stands for eating ravenously. If you ever have taken a group of high school boys out to eat, you know what this looks like. Uh, for years when I was on Young Life staff, I took high school boys to camp. And my responsibility at dinner was to make sure that the serving plate got around the table once before it was empty. Because often it would be the first two or three guys would grab all of the meat um, and we'd have to send back for more. Eating ravenously sometimes deprives others of their fair share. The E stands for eating excessively. I love the taste of food. And so sometimes I eat beyond the point where I am filled. I wonder if any of you ever do that. Um, a church potluck supper is deadly to me. The S stands for sumptuously. Kim and I once had landlords who had never eaten, it was a couple, married couple, they had never eaten at McDonald's. It was below them to eat such food. Now, I don't want to get to a debate on the pros and cons of fast food, but we were amazed that you could grow up in America and had never eaten at McDonald's. So once they invited us to dinner and asked us to bring the hors d'oeuvres. So we got a bunch of chicken McNuggets. We put them on a real nice plate with some dipping sauces and they loved them. When they asked where we got them, we just hemmed and hawed. The H stands for hastily. Sometimes we can't avoid having to gobble down a meal on the run, but when that becomes a pattern, it's gluttony. 
When we, eat when we regularly eat fastidiously, ravenously, excessively, sumptuously, or hastily, we're guilty of the sin of gluttony. Food is a gift from God that's meant to be enjoyed with thankfulness. And all throughout the Bible, God's people are invited to feast. In fact, during the season of Lent, the six Sundays are set aside. You know, if, you, if you're here, we're talking about the 40 days of Lent, but you count them up, there's 46. That's because the six Sundays are feast days, even during the season of Lent. One of my favorite descriptions of the return of Christ is in Isaiah 25, where it says, On this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats, and the finest of wines. Food is a gift from God. However, when we take excessive pleasure in its quality or its quantity, it displaces God's role in our lives and becomes gluttony. As Paul wrote, their God is their belly. We see this principle with most of the seven deadly sins. Sex is good, but when we take excessive pleasure in it, it becomes lust. Rest is good. When it becomes too dominant in our lives, it becomes sloth. The affirmation of others is good, but when we take excessive pleasure in it, it becomes vainglory. Money is good, but when it becomes too much of a big deal to us, it becomes greed. Food is good, but when we take excessive pleasure in it, it becomes gluttony. In Philippians 3, Paul is using eating as a metaphor for all kinds of sin, but notice the particular false god that he talks about. Their stomachs. When we focus on food or money or affirmation, it's like being controlled by the need to satisfy our stomachs. It's making something other than God the most important thing. It's making our pleasure an idol. St. Augustine gave us three guidelines for discerning if gluttony is a problem for us. First, is eating or drinking harming our overall health and well-being? Second, is eating and drinking having a negative impact on those around us? And then third, is our eating and drinking impacting our spiritual health? If eating or drinking is having a negative impact on our physical health, our spiritual health, or our relational health, then we are not eating and drinking in a way that brings glory to God and blesses others. In Colossians 3, the passage that we looked at on Sunday, Paul wrote, Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. That includes our eating and our drinking. If you, like me, discover that gluttony is an issue for you, I invite you to join me in trying out the spiritual discipline of fasting during Lent this year. You may choose a partial fast, like uh, giving up sugary foods or snacks between meals or caffeine or alcohol. Uh, I have a friend who's, he and his wife are giving up alcohol for Lent, making an adjustment in their lives. 
Or you may choose a total fast for one day a week, giving up food except for beverages. One of the things that I have found about fasting is it's always easier to fast with someone else. And so if you're planning on trying out this discipline, you might want to try and recruit a friend, somebody from your community group or adult class, to do it with you. Or let me know so that I can encourage you and pray for you and you for me. Welcome to Lent. What is your plan for taking the next step in your discipleship journey this Lenten season? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the gift of Lent, this season of spring training for us, uh, where we can get in shape, where we can try out some practices, where we can get to know one another better, so that your church would make an impact in this community. We pray as we look at these different sins, especially the one of gluttony today, uh, that your spirit would nudge us in those times where there's something there for us to notice and pay attention to. We pray this all in Christ's name. Amen.